Ramble. I'm the type of person who's hyper aware of what I put in my body. I have a lot of food intolerances and it feels like every year I discover new ones. If you have allergies or IBS or you choose to avoid certain foods for personal reasons, you know the food FOMO is real and it's just not fun. A month ago, we went to Jeju Island, which is famous for pork, but because I'm allergic, I was just standing there watching everyone gobble up the food. And recently, I almost gave up morning coffee because I'm so sensitive to dairy these days and black coffee just does not hit the spot. Thankfully, I found out about minor figures and now I don't have to start my days on a bitter note. Literally, Minor Figures is an oat milk brand. They're 100% plant-based, carbon neutral, and B Corp certified. So not only do I get to enjoy my coffee, but I don't have to worry about anything irritating my stomach. There are no stabilizers or additives. And what I love is that Minor Figures Barista Oat really helps showcase the natural characteristics of the coffee. It's not just there to carry the coffee flavor, but it enhances it. So you know how at-home coffee never hits the spot like coffee shop coffee? With Minor Figures, it does. You can really taste the coffee versus the oat milk. It's delicious. You can buy their products online at us.minorfigures.com. You can also discover fun games, music playlists, and explore their store locator to see where you can buy Minor Figures near you. For my listeners in Denver and New York, Minor Figures is also now available at Whole Foods. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to this week's mini-sode of Rotten Mango. I'm your host, Stephanie Sue. A side note, I've mentioned that I was doing videos for our true crime podcast, Rotten Mango, and the videos are going to be launching March 5th, which is Sunday, literally exactly a week from today. And I'm going to link the channel below for that. It's going to be a completely different channel. I'm just really hoping that seeing the visuals of some of these cases that we're covering can help you feel more connected to the people involved. It helps me better understand what's going on when I see the visual aspects. And don't worry, the audio versions of the podcast will stay the same. They will be uploaded every Every Wednesdays and Sundays, but the Sunday uploads will now have a video that will be posted on the Rotten Mango channel. The channel is most definitely going to be demonetized, but I just want you guys to see the pictures and the videos and all of those things that are pertinent to a lot of these cases that we cover. So please go check out the link in the description, subscribe, turn on the notification so you don't miss the first episode and all the weekly episodes coming because some of the most highly requested cases we're going to be covering like this month, like Itaewon and a couple other ones that have been highly, highly requested. So stay tuned. With that being said, I'm just going to drop you right into the middle of it. All Salamandra could do was sit there and listen to this man that was sitting in front of her. This man that had the absolute audacity to step foot inside of their home. At one point in time, she had trusted this man. She let him attend family vacations. He would even come over for family dinners on Sundays. I mean, she knew this man for years. All she could do was sit there listening to him, sweating and blubbering in his seat. He would soon walk out and that seat would be occupied by another one of her daughter's friends. It was like clockwork. They would come knocking on her front door with their own little story to tell until finally all six of the daughter's friends that went on vacation with her sat down and told her their their own muddled, inconsistent version of events. Seven friends had gone on vacation and only six had come back home, safe and sound. They had come back days before the vacation was scheduled to end. They each appeared on Salamandra's doorstep without the seventh member of the vacationing group, Salamandra's own daughter, Shanquella Robinson. 
Where was Shanquella? Why did they leave her? They all left from Mexico together. Why did they only come back without her? The seventh member of the group, Shanquella Robinson, she was still in Cabo, Mexico. Her body was being held at a foreign coroner's medical office. She was in a body bag. And all Salamandra could do was try to figure out why these six individuals, why these so-called friends were lying about her daughter's death. This is like the most infuriating case I've researched in a really long time. Okay, as always, full show notes are being listed at RottenMangoPodcast.com. This is an ongoing case. All of this information is, uh, to my present knowledge, at the date of filming. Of course, there's going to be new developments, new steps being made towards justice. I'm definitely going to be keeping my eyes out on this case just to make sure that justice is served. I hope you guys do the same. So with that being said, let's talk about what happened to Shanquella Robinson. Have you ever walked into a room and you physically feel the energy change? Okay, this is the most unsettling part about this case. Well, actually, there is no the most unsettling part. This whole case is unsettling. You walk into a room and you feel like everyone in that room is suddenly behaving differently. Mm -hmm. As if the energy just changed because your presence. I mean, when I was younger, I just remember that I would get these gut punch feelings when I walked into a room. Um, It would happen with the same group all the time. And I just really wanted to fit in with them. And the whole energy would shift. And it seemed like they didn't want me there for a reason. But they were also the ones that invited me in the first place. It's like they're sharing these weird, unspoken glances at one another. And it's like, like, see? Remember what I told you? And you're like, I don't know what's going on. And it feels like there's nothing you can even do. What are you supposed to do? Confront them? There's nothing you can say. It's like they were already planning something against you. It's like they were already talking about you. They already made up their minds about you. It is such a strange niche feeling. Okay, but if you've experienced it, I feel like you can't ever forget it. Well, this video went viral on social media. Because a woman, Shanquella, went on vacation with her six friends. And I say friends because they're just vile monsters, okay? And the energy shift of when she walks into the room with her so-called friends who are all gathered without her in one of the rooms in this crazy Mexican villa, it's just so eerie. So it's her going room by room looking for her friends and she finds them gathered in a room and they're standing around the bed and just the glances, the energy, their body language, it feels like they were talking about her. It feels like they were planning something against her until she had just walked in. This video has been analyzed over and over again. Um, Netizens say it definitely feels like people having a conversation that they don't want you to be a part of. What they're talking about you? Yes. And it's become overanalyzed because Shanquella would end up dead on this trip. Speculated at the hands of her, quote, friends. So let's talk about the first day of Shanquella's vacation. She had just touched down in Mexico, Cabo, and even though she was 25, a successful businesswoman and entrepreneur, Shanquella called her mom. (laughs) Not because she needed to, um, she just didn't want her mom to worry about her. That's just the type of person that Shanquella was. She was very caring, very considerate, very responsible. She told her mom, we just got here, don't worry. You know, I'm excited. We're going to stay in the villa. We have a private chef that's cooking us dinner. Like, it'll be so fun. Yes, I'm like, just so excited i i feel like i needed this vacation and her mom's like yeah yeah go do your thing be careful i love you call me tomorrow salamandra hung up and i i think as a mom it doesn't matter how old your kid is that's your kid even now i'm in my 20s 
Every time I'm out of town, every time I'm in New York City, my mom calls me every single day. And she tells me she still gets anxious if I don't pick up the phone right away, if I don't call her back right away. Sometimes she even calls my fiance right after she calls me. I think it's the inescapable life of a mom. Like, I don't think that there's any way to avoid it. But theoretically, in a perfect world, if there was any mom who didn't have to be so concerned and anxious, it was probably Salamandra. Because Shanquella was this grown, responsible, caring, intelligent adult. She was kind of the center of the Robinson family. It seemed like they orbited around her. Her mom, Salamandra, fell in love and married her husband, Bernard Robinson. The couple had been longtime residents of North Carolina. So all of these friends, everyone, they're residents of North Carolina that are on vacation in Mexico. They thought that North Carolina was safe. It, it was a nice place to settle, to raise their family. Salamandra had a daughter from a previous marriage, Quilla Long. And then the couple went on to have their first child together. January 9th, 1997, Shanquella Robinson was born. And you know those people? You just look at them. It doesn't even matter how young they are. Maybe they're in like kindergarten and you're like, I feel like this person's going to be someone one day. That was Shanquella. That's what everybody says about her. It seems like she was just universally well-loved. I feel like that's something you say to be very nice and respectful, but Shanquella still maintained relationships from kindergarten. She had friends from wow. freaking kindergarten. Mind you, the events unfolding take place when she's 25. This is a long, long time away from kindergarten. She still has friends from kindergarten that have nothing but praise for her. I mean, they've known her for practically her whole life. One of her friends nicknamed her Muffin, which I think is so freaking cute. And by all accounts, Shanquella was adorable. Like she had these big brown eyes that would just smile every time she smiled. They said that Shanquella was so incredibly bubbly and passionate to the point where her optimism was very contagious. One of her friends said that for her birthday, she's like, okay, Shanquella, I brought you some Dunkin' Donuts, okay? Like I brought you some donuts, it's your birthday, I got you a little hot chocolate. And her reaction, Shanquella's reaction to donuts and hot coffee, she said, you would have thought that I bought her the most extravagant gift in the world. She was just so happy. Like she was one of those people. So after high school, she gets into Winston-Salem State University, which is a branch of UNC, the University of North Carolina. And Winston-Salem is recognized as a historically black university. Some sources say that Shanquilla really blossomed in college. So she's majoring in business. She's surrounded by peers that she could relate to that are lifting her up. She's proud to be a black woman in America. And she wanted to show everyone that she was, she was capable of a lot. So she uses her degree. She starts opening up these businesses. One was called the Exquisite Boutique. It was like a woman's fashion clothing line. And she also had exquisite kids. Okay, this is where I think her passion really was. This was like her labor of love. The objective of Exquisite Kids was to teach and encourage younger generations to fall in love with their natural hair pattern. So she would go and she would braid these kids' hairs. She would do protective hairstyles. And I think for Shanquella, it was definitely more than just hair. It's said that she bonded with every single person that came in to get their hair braided. There was no doubt that Shanquella had like this insane work ethic. Insane. It seemed like she just had this like sense of urgency about her. She wanted to get her life started. She wanted to get fulfilled. She wanted to make a name for herself, which I think is very admirable. People who worked with her said she was a hard worker. Like no matter what was going on in her life, she always worked. She would work until past midnight to get her job done and then be back early in the morning doing another person's hair. Never complained. Her friend uh, shared a suite 
like they had rented this little room together to invite all their customers. And she said that one of her favorite moments where Shinkola would bring her French bulldog to work. And every time a customer would walk in the door, she would have to chase that dog around because that dog is just doing sprints, like just doing the zoomies around. And Shinkola's like, come here, you know? Those are her favorite moments of Shinkola. She's just this full of life person. And she just had this mindset that if anyone was going to give her the world, it was going to be herself. Now let's talk about this Mexico trip. While at the university, um, Shinquela met a guy named Khalil Cook. This is the friend that would go on to attend family vacations with the Robinson family. Shinquela and Khalil were close. There's no indication that there was any sort of romantic relationship. In fact, out of all the seven people involved, at least as of right now, there doesn't seem to be any indication of any romantic ties between the seven. I don't think it matters, but uh, just putting that out there. So anyway... Shanquilla and Khalil become really, really close friends, and Khalil would be the one to introduce Shanquilla to the rest of the Cabo Six. That's what they're called, Khalil included. So there's Shanquilla, and there's six not friends, and they're called the Cabo Six. So there's um, are the list of names. So there's like Dejanay, there's Winter, Elise, Malik, and Nazir. And this is pretty important. It seemed like the rest of the group already had an established friendship. So other than Khalil being the one that she was close to, Shanquilla didn't know the others that long or that well, we can assume. The theory is further strengthened because a ton of Shanquilla's close friends, even her mother, publicly stated that they only knew of Khalil. They weren't even familiar with the others. They didn't really hear about them. They weren't like, Shanquilla wasn't coming home every day like, oh, I just met these new friends. I'm going to go meet them again and again and again. It seemed relatively new. It seems like Khalil invited her to the friendly vacation, which honestly feels like a normal thing to do. Like my sister's going to Mexico next month and half the people going are friends she's very close with and the other half are more recent friends. And all that is just to say, this was a very typical vacation. I don't think anyone would have been alarmed. I don't think Shanquilla was like, oh no, this is, these are all new people. So everyone's getting hyped for this trip. They rented this huge, luxurious private villa in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. It had multiple rooms, a private chef, a private pool overlooking the ocean, a jacuzzi. This is all important later. Shinquela was so excited. She felt like she deserved this trip. I mean, she had been working so freaking hard day in, day out. She just needed like a little reset. She loved being around great people. And I'm sure it was exciting for her to make new friends and spend time with them and get to know them. Like she was just such a bubbly person. She got her hair done the day before the trip and her hairstylist said, you know, we always clicked. She's been my client for years. She's like my little sister. And she said she was really excited about her trip to Mexico. She did all the things that we all get so excited for. She's packing for the trip, picking out what clothes to wear. I think that's what's so unsettling about this. It all starts off so innocent and exciting. Now, the trip was to celebrate two of the Cabo Six's birthdays and almost kind of like a Halloween trip to escape the gloom of North Carolina during Halloween. They head to Mexico October 28th of 2022. Chinquela and five of the Cabo Six would fly out together. So one of the three guys, Nazir, he was going to arrive in Mexico the day later on a separate flight. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be six people initially, and then the seventh would join. So Chinquela, the rest of the group, they touch down in Mexico, check into Villa Linda 32, and it was incredible. The villa was big enough to house 12 people. Like, this place was spacious. It was so bright, airy. I mean, watching through Instagram, you could see a group of loving friends getting ready to have a blast enjoying each other's night together you know the first night that they checked in shanquella posted on her ig story and this would go viral as well she was the one being recorded khalil had taken her phone 
recorded her passed out on the hammock. The flash was on and he was in her face while she was asleep. He just kept saying, we got our first dead body, 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 body. This was posted around 9 p.m. the first night. Shanquella was confirmed to have just been asleep in the video. And I'm sure at the time it was this lighthearted humor, humorful video. Uh, after the way the events would unfold the next day, the IG story would be ripped to shreds by netizens. It, it would start to feel rather cryptic, dark, foreshadowing almost. I mean, it was clear that they were all having a lot of fun. Now, that day, she had already called her mom before that Instagram story was posted. Mm -hmm. So she's talking to her mom and she's like, you know what, I'm going to call you tomorrow. That would be the last time she spoke to her mom. So they got to Mexico on the 28th. The morning of the 29th, the group decided to hit the pool. Some say they were skinny dipping. Some say they were all changing into their swimwear. It doesn't really matter. But we saw a very, very small snippet of that morning because Shanquella posted on social media a casual video of herself looking for her friends in this massive villa. She was going from room to room looking for them. And she's saying, it doesn't take that long to get naked. Because it, I mean... The assumption, the implication is that they were suspiciously taking a really long time. And again, I'm sure it wasn't suspicious in that moment to her, but hindsight is twenty twenty. you know? Shanquella walks in, room to room. She's like, hello, it doesn't take that long to get naked. And finally, she walks into the final room where all of her friends, so-called friends, are clothed and gathered in one of the rooms. And when she walks in, a lot of netizens believe the energy just, it shifted. Now, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. I don't know about the energy per se, but the body language was interesting. The body language was interesting. And it looked genuinely like they had been plotting something or that they had been talking about her in that room together without her. Shanquella seemed excited, though, to get the day started. Maybe she noticed, maybe she didn't, but everyone just kind of had this weird energy to them. We'll later piece together what is believed to have happened after this video was taken. But let's talk about how it unfolded for the Robinson family. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. They get a call from Khalil on the 29th. So Shanquella was like, let me call you tomorrow. She never called. Instead, Khalil calls. When? In the morning? At night? Afternoon. Okay. So it would be around um, like 4 p.m. in Mexico, I believe. Uh, time difference for North Carolina. So they thought, okay, well, maybe Shanquella is using Khalil's phone to call us and everything's fine. But nope, they pick up and it was Khalil and he seemed remarkably calm. He informed the parents that Shanquella was not feeling well because she had alcohol poisoning. Of course, her parents start freaking out like alcohol poisoning. I mean, how much alcohol do you need to drink to get alcohol poisoning? 
He's calm. He's assuring the Robinsons that Shanquilla is safe, that medical help was on the way. Shanquilla's parents trusted Khalil. I mean, after all, this is the guy that they themselves had gone on family vacations with. Yes, they're freaking out that Shanquilla wasn't feeling well. They're freaking out that she's in a completely different country. They're freaking out that they can't be right next to her helping her. But maybe, maybe they felt a little bit of relief that she had a close friend there to take care of her. A close friend that they knew. He calmed Salamandra down as much as he could, and he promised, you know, like, Miss Robinson, I'm going to keep an eye out, and I'm going to keep you updated. That was the first of many calls from Khalil to Shinquella's parents that day. One final call would be placed. Khalil's voice was devoid of any emotion, and he stated, Shinquella was dead. She was gone. In that moment, the Robinsons felt like their entire world just shattered. I mean... I can't even imagine the pure shock. What are you talking about? The couple wanted answers, but all Khalil would do was regurgitate over the phone over and over again that it was alcohol poisoning. Of course, the parents are instantly suspicious. It just doesn't sound like Shanquella. Okay, yes, Shanquella, like everybody else, parties, drinks. She's 25, okay? But she's never been one to drink until the point of being this intoxicated. She she was more of an occasional social drinker. She never drank this much, especially away from home. She knew how to handle her alcohol. She was a very responsible adult. This was weird. But everyone just shrugged. All the public was like, well, it kind of makes sense. You know, it's Cabo, Mexico after all. It's a reputation of being like a crazy party destination. But how is that even a good explanation for a young woman's death? I mean, how could things even change so fast? Yesterday, her daughter was fine, reassuring her that she's having a blast and she'll call her tomorrow. The next day, she allegedly drank a bit too much, wasn't feeling great, and an hour or two later, she was dead? Like, how does that even make sense? The parents were kept in the dark after those phone calls. Meanwhile, the Cabo 6 would fly home early from Mexico. I think- That day- so I think it was the next day, but they came before their trip was supposed to end. I think this is wild. Um, I don't usually I don't input my opinion, but and now in no way am I saying that they should have stayed and finished their big party. That's not even what I'm saying. But I imagine if that were me and my friend or even an acquaintance passed away, I would wait. I would wait and stay there to help handle things with the parents. If my job and my school allowed, I would stay even after my vacation until the parents could come to Mexico, until someone could make sure that Shanquilla's body was safely returned to the United States. I would try to help be the middleman between the parents and the authorities. Not that I speak Spanish, but just to get a hold of them, go down to the station, do all of these things. I wonder if it also has to do with their six of them. You know how the, the thing used to say when there's more people... Less people are taking actions. The bystander effect or whatever, yes. Yes. I guess that's like a good benefit of the doubt if we're playing devil's advocate. But I think that Khalil should have done something. Like, yeah, he yeah, was the I, one that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think definitely, but I'm just saying. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe like everyone just had the feeling, was like, okay, why would I stay? Like, yeah. what am I doing here? But it's weird because, you know, I understand if their vacation ended yeah. and they're like, it's time to go. But they started booking new tickets 24 hours into their vacation. Like immediately after this yes. happened? Yes. Okay. So it's like, oh, let me run away. Yeah, basically. it was weird. Yeah. Like I, I don't expect anyone to stay after the vacation because maybe they're not close enough with her. Maybe they have work priorities that they need yeah. to get to. Like, it's they more of get like fired. an escape. Yes, it feels weird. They want to they run away from the, the trouble. Situation. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Which normally you wouldn't do that unless you had something to hide. If it was genuinely a death by alcohol poisoning, I don't think that I would have left. 
it would have been incredibly uncomfortable. I think there would have been a lot of trauma and grief to deal with, but that's just a, and these are all full grown adults. These are not teenagers. They're about the same age. Yeah. So it's just, it's weird to me. So they haphazardly packed their bags as well as Shinquela's bag, went to her parents' doorstep to drop off her clothes that they had just shoved into her suitcase. And one by one, they all visited Shinquela's grieving parents. They looked into their eyes and they lied about their daughter's death. So they all show up at different times. Yeah. The one part of the story that stayed the same was that she had died of alcohol poisoning, which, of course, Salamandra did not believe. The rest of the stories were littered with like mismatching events and inconsistencies. It was strange. When asked who called the doctor, one's like, oh, the maid called the doctor. The other one's like, the villa concierge. Oh, one of us did. No, it was a neighboring resident from the villa next door. Okay, well, where was Salamandra when the doctor came? One friend is like, she was unconscious on a chair. Another friend said she was on the floor. One of them was like, she was passed out in her room. Oh no, she was passed out on her toilet. It seemed like every minute detail, every single one of them had a completely different answer. Their general attitude also was just unsettling. Okay, so forget the whole leaving Mexico early, which personally I think is bizarre. From the get-go, the Cabo Six, I don't even want to call them the friends, the Cabo Six, their behavior was weird once they got back okay i would imagine if you just lost a dear friend they would rally around the robinson family especially khalil they would bond with them share their grief come over share fond memories of shanquella try to help each other through this traumatic time genuinely i might even feel guilt like maybe we shouldn't have gone on this mexico trip like I feel so bad, you know? Mm-hmm. There should have been misty-eyed hugs, these warm embraces, these tender words. But there was just something that Salamandra could not really pinpoint. Their energy, the whole atmosphere of these people, it was off. It was off-putting. Call it mother's intuition, but her blood ran cold every time one of the friends came over with a new version of events for her. Honestly, I bet she was feeling like she was going insane. Like you have this gut feeling. Everyone's probably trying to comfort her by saying things like, we're going to get through this together. She's in a better place now. And as a mom, you're like, no, stop saying that. Something weird is going on. Like, why is everyone just saying these weird things? Something has happened. I think to really add to this feeling was the fact that Salamandra got an anonymous phone call after the Cabo Six arrived back in America. The anonymous caller told Salamandra that Shanquilla had been assaulted on the trip, physically assaulted. She had been beaten into submission, were the words used, and that her death was not accidental. Salamandra didn't know what happened, but she knew one thing for sure. If there was even a 1% chance that her daughter's death was not an accident, she was going to find out. And that, that was a promise. Bernard, the father, started working tirelessly on the extradition process to get Shanquilla back home. And he kept calling the villa every single day, all day, every day, until finally he got an English speaker on the phone and the employee picked up and confirmed the family's worst fears. They said to Shanquilla's father, What? Your daughter didn't die of alcohol poisoning. She died of a broken neck. Oh my god. Salamandra wanted to scream at every one of those so-called friends, what did you all do to my child? Shanquela's body was autopsied, and Salamandra publicly stated that Shanquela had a bloodshot and swollen eye, like a black eye, a knot to her head, and her lip was swollen and busted open. That doesn't sound like alcohol poisoning to me. 
The family knew that something was wrong. They knew that there was something that the Cabo Six was hiding. And the worst part is the Robinson parents were proven right about their suspicions in the most heartbreaking way possible. Bernard, the father, was out searching for grave sites for his only daughter, his entire world, his life, when he got word of a video that was circulating. The video first circulated in communities of Winston-Salem State University, and then eventually it went public. The video is incredibly graphic. The parents have identified Chanquela as the victim in the video. And it seems like the video was recorded by Khalil. It's from the 29th, the day that Chanquela died, and it shows Chanquela naked, vulnerable, and being physically beaten by one of the women on the trip. It's clear that she's trying to create physical distance between her and the aggressor or even trying to calm them down, but it's not working. Shanquella is being punched with a closed fist. She's being slapped, kicked. Her head is being kneed. The woman, the aggressor, which is suspected to be um, Dejeuner, flung Shanquella to the side where she falls down, clearly disoriented, and she still keeps kicking her. And somebody was recording this? They're all standing there, like, watching and recording. Watching and recording? These so-called friends, yeah. I mean, I don't even, like, okay, to call them not friends is one thing. I don't even know if these are people. Like, it's so crazy. Why are they recording? I don't understand that aspect either. It's insane. Yeah, the parents don't get it either. It's just, they're like monsters. It's suspected that she was naked because remember they were going to go skinny dipping. I mean, I can't even imagine the vulnerability. So there is a whole theory, but just imagine how out of control she must have felt in that moment. And is it everyone closed? Yeah. And the fact that this fight was clearly one-sided is even more heartbreaking and tragic. Okay, I guess it's not even called a fight. I mean, it was a full-blown attack. It was a full-blown ambush with spectators, spectators that were supposed to be her friends. Khalil is heard on the camera saying, Quella, can you at least fight back? What? And in the most heartbreaking response, Shanquella responds quietly, no. And she just keeps repeating no. She's just trying to diffuse the situation. Like, it's clear she does not have an angry, violent bone in her body, and it shows in the video. Another man was seen recording, but none of them did anything to intervene. In fact, the other man is almost inciting further violence. So nobody did anything. The speculation is that Shanquella had gone back to her room to change after she walked in on the others plotting. Remember the last video, right? The IG video, which she most likely didn't even know at the time that they were plotting anything because these details are so minute. It's something that we can see after hindsight. She goes back to her room. This is the theory. She took off her clothes to go skinny dipping or maybe she was in the process of putting on her swimwear. The rest of the group ambush her. That's kind of what it looks like. They run in. One of the women start assaulting her and the rest watch or record or they're just not intervening. They're not splitting anyone up. They're not protecting. They're not trying to mediate. I mean, the whole thing feels like an ambushed, premeditated attack. Maybe the premeditated attack was in the middle of being finished when Shanquella walked in on them. It's like mm. they were plotting this when she walked in. Even her dad said, she's not a fighter. For them to do what they did, it seemed like there was a plot because they couldn't have done this in the U.S speculating that it wasn't even just premeditated in that moment that morning, but her whole invitation to Mexico maybe was premeditated with something like this in mind. Again, this video is so graphic. It's extremely upsetting, and I would recommend you not watch it, but Shanquella remains defensive. She does not hit back. She does not fight back. She's naked. She's vulnerable. The Robinson family could only watch the video and weep while they were asking questions. I mean... 
what are these evil so-called friends? Like, who are these monsters? Why are they doing this to my child? How how could these people watch and not stop this vile act, Ex- especially Khalil? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. And what's crazy is that someone recorded it and this incident happened, tragedy happened, and he shared it with people. So it's speculated that maybe he shared it before she passed. Like, right when it happened, but he might have... Yeah, you it's share still, something like this? Why Wait, are you even exactly, taking just it? Like and, every layer, if you think about it, just shows how, how evil of a monster it is. Just yeah. every layer, you just think about that. Like, if this happened amongst strangers, it's still evil. But the fact that it's so-called friends, it's just so unsettling. Allegedly, there is another video that was filmed. And there's no verification that I could find on this that's, like, a, a good source. But allegedly... There's another video of the other woman, Winter Donovan, joining in, brutally beating Shanquella. This has not been released to the public, nor confirmed that this video does exist, but sources say that the authorities and family have seen the video. So I'm not sure. This video thrust the case into the national spotlight. Eventually, the FBI and Mexican authorities got involved, not because of this video, though. But because this video went viral on social media and there was enough social pressure, pressure, truly, that's like the only way to get authorities involved, it seems, these days, to make fun of them on social media. And that's what happened. There was public outrage of a possible cover-up because why was her death being reported as alcohol poisoning? And it wasn't just from the Cabo Six that were saying it's alcohol poisoning. The family found out through the police reports in Mexico that they listed her cause of death as alcohol poisoning. So they're like, okay, that doesn't even make sense. How could the friends even just come back to the U.S. and resume with their lives? Clearly, something happened. Can they find out the real cause, though? Yes, the autopsy reports were released. So the investigation into Shanquella's death was considered a potential femicide. Um, A femicide is how Mexico categorizes murder when the victim is a woman. This, along with the autopsies, the death certificate, was released to the family. And it seems like thread by thread, the story starts unraveling, but not even quickly enough for the Robinson family. So this blew the case right open. And now let's talk about what really happened in Cabo. Shortly after Shanquella posted the live footage on IG of her looking for her friends through the villa because they were supposed to go swimming. Shortly after, a police report, now this, I'm not saying this is true, this is what the police report is saying. A police report from Mexican authorities documented that a doctor was called to the group's villa for a vacationer who needed medical attention. It said that the call was made by one of the Cabo Six sometime after 2 p.m., but a doctor didn't show up until 3 p.m. I don't know if there's a reason for that. I don't know if that's like a timing thing. I don't know if the doctor was busy. I don't know maybe if one of the Cabo Six made it seem not like a big deal. For the doctor to show up so they took their time but it's been emphasized so i just wanted to point it out dr carolina guterres showed up at the villa and she noticed that shanquella was alive and had no signs of injury she wrote and i quote in stable condition but dehydrated disoriented verbally unresponsive unable to communicate and appearing to be intoxicated but there's no like bruising and marks she said that shanquella was trying to talk but she couldn't form the words to do so which i mean Like, imagine how scared she must have felt in that moment, like not knowing why she couldn't speak or not being able to communicate her needs. Because Dr. Gutierrez couldn't communicate with Shanquella, she tried to talk to her friends to get some background on her condition. The Cabo Six just reported, oh, she was drinking all day and all day last night, so I think that she's just drunk. Dr. Gutierrez went off on this information, and in her exam, she agreed, okay, well, maybe she's most likely suffering from alcohol poisoning. If you think she's just drunk, you wouldn't call a doctor, no? Yeah, that's true. 
if you would just, you just let them sleep it exactly. out. Exactly. If Unless someone's acting drunk. Up. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you think she's just acting drunk or, or being drunk, yeah. you never call a doctor when someone who's just wasted. Yeah, and they're like sleeping it off. That's yeah. true. Or just having trouble blurring their words. They're just drunk. So obviously they know something is wrong already, mm-hmm. but they are not telling her the reason. Okay, I'm just speculating. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I mean, maybe we should be calling doctors in those situations, but that's true. I don't think I've ever, unless I was always told, unless someone is vomiting um, and unconscious when they're drunk, usually they are sleeping it off, right? So the next step for the doctor was to administer an IV line to rehydrate Shanquella. But according to her reports, she was repeatedly unsuccessful. I mean, this could be for a number of reasons. When you're dehydrated, it's harder to find a vein. Maybe you just have naturally finicky veins. So the doctor is like, hey, I can't get an IV in her. She's like really dehydrated. I think you guys need to take her to the hospital. It's pretty concerning for Shanquella to have been unconscious for this prolonged period of time. Like, I don't think it's just... If this is alcohol poisoning, something's wrong. The Cabo 6 rejected. This is so strange. But they insisted that they only wanted Shanquella to be treated in the villa. Later, the group would say, no, no, no. We didn't want her to be hospitalized because it would be too expensive. There's so many issues with this statement. I mean, just so many. First of all, they're staying at a villa that runs upward of, some sources say, $1,300. Others say $1,600 a night. $1,600 a night. I googled it, and I'm not sure because it depends on different areas of Mexico, but the average ER visit in Mexico, just to visit, costs 30 to 60 US dollars without insurance. Now, I'm sure if you go into intensive care, I'm sure if there are ne- there's emergency operations, it's different. But just to give you a ballpark, an ER visit to, in the US without insurance is like $1,000. It's a world of a difference. So if you're worried about health insurance, it's probably better to go to the ER in Mexico. But they're like, no, it's too pricey. So it's just a really weird, bizarre statement to make. Later, one of the Cabo Six told the family that it would have been $5,000 to take her to the emergency room. I don't know if that's calculating an ambulance, but again, that sounds more like U.S. pricing. It just doesn't make sense. And even if it is $5,000, okay, I'm sure the Robinson parents don't mind, but they weren't even given the choice. The Cabo Six made the choice for them. Like, why wouldn't you at least just call her parents and be like, hey, she needs emergency care. It's going to be $6,000. We don't have the money. Can you guys pay the money? Just that would have been fine. Especially if a medical doctor is telling your friend that you need to go to the hospital with that friend. It's not even just a random passerby that's like, you should go to the emergency room. Now, I guess the doctor either didn't have the authority or didn't want to, but she decided that she wasn't going to just call an ambulance and have Shanquella escorted to the hospital. Maybe there's some sort of liability laws. I don't know. But I just thought it was weird that she didn't, even though she clearly needed hospitalization. So during this standoff, Khalil made the initial call to tell Salamandra about Shanquella's situation. He used his phone. Khalil told the Robinson parents that Shanquella wasn't feeling well. She had alcohol poisoning. According to reports by Mexican authorities, Dr. Gutierrez was in the villa for over an hour. Shanquela's condition was taking a turn for the worse. The Cabo Six kept denying medical interventions, kept refusing to take her to the ER, and around 4 p.m., Shanquela suffered a tonic-clonic seizure. These types of seizures involve full-body, uncontrollable muscle convulsions. Mm -hmm. Some people experience a total loss of bodily functions. On top of the seizure, Shanquella was having difficulty breathing. Her heart rate was plummeting. She was gasping for air. And at the young age of 25 years old, with no prior conditions that I could find, she went into cardiac arrest. 
Dr. Gutierrez now called for emergency services, began CPR, and the now on the now collapsed body of Shanquilla Robinson. Wait, did, did she leave and come back? No. Oh, this is all happened in that one hour. Yeah. Well, like two-ish hours. She was there the whole time. Yeah. She watched it happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. People are like, why wouldn't you just call the ambulance yourself if you're a doctor and you know that this person is about to like, this is crazy. So ambulances arrive. Paramedics from the villa, they tried everything. CPR, 14 rounds of mechanical CPR, multiple shocks from a defibrillator, five doses of adrenaline. The urgency of the paramedics must have been a stark juxtaposition to the calmness and the nonchalantness of the Cabo Six and maybe even Dr. Gutierrez, honestly. Not even 24 hours into her luxury villa vacation with six people who said, who said they were her friends, just Hours after Dr. Gutierrez reported she was stable and uninjured, Shanquella Robinson was declared dead. In Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, miles away from her family and home. Because she is a U.S. citizen that died on foreign soil, uh, the Mexican police had to report Shanquella's death. They basically noted the sequence of events that I briefly summarized. They reported um, deceased person had died of alcohol poisoning. She died two hours and 45 minutes after the doctor was called to the residence. No observation of internal or external injuries. So the families and netizens would discover this sequence of events documented by Mexican authorities were all an alleged lie. So once Shekwala was pronounced dead, Khalil called to tell her parents that she was gone. We went through all the suspicious behaviors of the Cabo Six once they got back to America. But their lies start unraveling through the reports. The Robinsons obtained the notarized English-translated copy of Shanquella's death certificate, as well as her autopsy. It stated that Shanquella was pronounced dead at 3 p.m., according to the science, according to the medical professionals. The time between injury and death, like whatever happened and when she ultimately died, was 15 minutes. So he's a very, I don't want to say it's short because 15 minutes is... So long. Wait, what do you mean 15 minutes? Can you explain that? Something happens that triggers a body to shut down. Whether it's an injury, a traumatic injury, an accident, or something. Uh And then you die within 15 minutes. 15. That's what happened to Shanquella. So trigger A, 15 minutes later, Shanquella has passed. We don't know the trigger? Well, they said it's either an accident or a traumatic injury. So it seems like some sort of trauma done to her body. It doesn't seem like alcohol poisoning. That's very different from what was just described in the police documents of she was alive for two hours and 45 minutes while the doctor was there before she passed away. The time of death is completely different. So when the six people and the doctor was standing there, there's something happened in front of them? No, they probably lied. They lied. Is the speculation. What do you mean they they lied? They lied to the police. So was the doctor there or no? Yes, but there's... So the doctor is lying is what you're saying? Speculations that... Okay. There must be a reason that she's lying or the police is lying. But I mean, this is the story that Cabo Six is putting out, but Mm. it doesn't match with the medical reports because Mm. her medical reports say her cause of death was listed as a severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation. So that's the cause of death that happened. And within 15 minutes, she passed. Mm. But I don't know how that cause of death was caused. Caused. So basically, an atlas luxation is there's an injury to her spinal cord that's severe enough to cause instability in the atlas part of your spine. That's like the uppermost part of your spine. And it's a point of contact between the spine and the skull. This part is filled with neurotransmitters. It's crazy. There's so much stuff in there that is so important and vital to human life. The parents didn't get a call that she was dead until much later. So they're looking at this autopsy report and they're like, it's saying her cause, t- her time of death is like 3 p.m. 
that doesn't make sense because we got a call after 3 p.m. and Khalil is like, she's not feeling well. Mm. But her cause of her time of death is 3 p.m. So this raises a lot of questions. The Robinsons try to get in contact with any of the Cabo Six, anyone that was there to be like, hey, something's not adding up. But suddenly they were radio silent now. The same people that dropped off Shanquella's stuff that came to sit with her, nothing. Then, November 21st, Mexican authorities published the police report from the account of two police officers and Dr. Gutierrez. The parents received the autopsy reports as well, and just nothing was adding up. I mean, the fact that the autopsy didn't even mention alcohol in the autopsy. Now, mind you, when you do an autopsy, typically you'll do toxicology reports on the side, and those take a little bit of time to come in. But, I mean... There's not even the mention of alcohol. There's not the mention that it could have been alcohol poisoning. There's none of that. So according to the autopsy, she did not die of alcohol poisoning. She died from the spinal cord injury. But there's no mention, again, of the alcohol in her initial autopsy reports. Now, she could have been drunk when this happened. She could have been drunk to the point where maybe she was going to have alcohol poisoning. It doesn't matter because that wasn't her cause of death. Meanwhile, the police report stated that she died of a seizure as a result of alcohol poisoning. And the two reports have a different timeline of events. The autopsy states that her time of death was at 3 p.m. Then the police reports it would be around 6 p.m. The Robinsons were at a loss for words because how could the two reports be so different? It doesn't even make any sense. I mean, who can you trust if you can't trust the authorities to look into your daughter's death? It was such a shady situation. How could authorities really report that it was all alcohol-induced and that there was no evidence of foul play, but the medical report stated the exact opposite? Under the part where it says accident or traumatic injury, they wrote yes. And yes, the question is brought up, would things have played out differently on the investigation side if the victim was not a black woman? We have seen many instances where police sweep murders under the rug when it comes to people of color. Could it be that they thought nobody would care? It happened on foreign soil. Maybe they thought that they could just close the case and not be bothered to investigate. Maybe they could not do their jobs and people wouldn't care. Well, clearly, they were very wrong. So, of course, the Robinson family and the internet, I mean, personally myself, I think the death certificate, the autopsy reports are more accurate. I mean, you're talking about science, you're talking about medical professionals versus this is just people saying, well, this happened at this time. So with that, with the assault video, it is believed that Shanquilla died at the hands of the Cabo Six, if not one or if not all of them. As all of this starts swirling on the internet, the Cabo Six have gone radio silent, deleted all of their social media accounts, but um, Nazir, he's the one that showed up a day late. Mm-hmm. He arrived in Mexico the day of Shanquilla's death, and he's the only one that has publicly spoken out about this. And he said that once he got to the villa, he noticed Shanquilla was not feeling well. So he took her to a quiet room, stroked her hair, and gave her words of affirmations to, feel her, to make herself feel better. But the weird part of this story is that he claimed that he got to the villa at 3.30. And it's safe to imagine that... The timeline's not adding up then. Exactly. Is he lying too? Maybe. Maybe she was already dead when he got there because just the timelines aren't adding up with anyone. So where are we now? 25 days after 25-year-old Shanquella died, the attorney general in Mexico announced an arrest warrant had been issued and approved for the arrest and extradition of an American citizen. Now, here's the thing with this, okay? The thing is... It's a warrant has been issued. That doesn't mean someone was arrested. Now, there are rumors that the person has been arrested, but I I couldn't see if it was 100% verifiable. We don't even know who. 
it's speculated that it's Dejanay, the woman assaulting Shankwala. Because they identified them as the direct aggressor in the case of Shankwala's death. The name has not been released, but like I said, netizens presume that it's Dejanay. The local journalists have confirmed that it is an American woman that was part of the Cabo Six. If found guilty, this person could be sentenced to 40 to 60 years in prison in Mexico. And right now, we can only speculate if the U.S. will be pursuing additional charges on the rest of the group or on this individual in question. Authorities remain pretty tight-lipped. I mean, traditionally on a case like this, they all hold responsibility and there should be some types of charge, right? So it gets really complicated. Um, A former FBI assistant director was asked about this case and Mm -hmm. why there's no answers and why FBI is being so quiet. And he said, even if this happened in the U.S., like this homicide happened in the U.S., the FBI wouldn't be working on this because it's a local case. Typically, a case like this would move rather quickly in the U.S. You have video like this. You have witnesses that are available to be interrogated, interviewed. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to find all these other forensic evidence, videos, time logs, cell phone pinging, all of that. But with this case being in Mexico, it's a hit or miss when you deal with police down there, when you mm-hmm. deal with prosecutors down there. So we have to try and get evidence in our hands before we can actually bring it to the U.S. courts. That's all done through treaties, ribbons, bows, formal papers, requests that go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's painstaking, laborious. It's like a bureaucratic process. And with Mexico involved, it's not just a process in the U.S. It's two different countries who, you know, sometimes they're not known to work well together. But he does mention that it's important to keep the pressure. This is a former FBI director assistant. He said, when you apply pressure and you pressure the government, you almost embarrass the government. That's when you get things moving. Here's my understanding of things. If Mexican authorities decide to give up all the evidence and let the U.S. handle it, since it seems like all the involved parties, to my knowledge, are U.S. citizens, then the U.S. would press whatever charges that they deem fit to whoever they deem fit. But if Mexico decides to hold its own investigation, which it seems like that's the route they're taking, the U.S. can have an investigation of their own, but a lot of it is hoping and waiting, filing paperwork to get some of that evidence transferred in from Mexico. And the U.S. authorities are no white knights in this case either. Don't make it seem like the FBI are like, we're trying our best. At one point, they released a statement that there was no clear evidence of foul play in this case when there's a literal video of a woman being violently attacked. So I'm just going to say the Robinson family has been let down by both countries' authorities. It's just been so depressing. Like, all we can do is just hope that the Robinson family and Shenquella get the justice that they deserve. I mean, they've been working every single day to campaign for authorities to act on extradition orders. But just like the Cabo Six, authorities are radio silent now. There's no additional details on if there have been attempts at extradition or arrests, which doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but no official reports. The more Shenquella's mom lets herself feel these emotions, like feel what's happened to her child, She feels like her chest is caving in. But at least she's not alone. She has her daughter. She has her husband, Bernard. And they're angry, like rightfully so. Bernard has vowed to keep fighting until he gets the answers. In interviews with the parents, you can clearly see that they're exhausted. They're tired. They're desperate. They're so sad. They've talked about how social media and the public have forced the investigation forward. And it seems like the public are the only people that aren't giving up when the police are. They said they still have faith. They're going to find justice. They're not going to rest until they get it. They urge the public to not forget their daughter. Salamandra has told ABC News, I would like for each of them to be sent back to Mexico. Their plan was to come back here thinking they wouldn't be prosecuted. Shanquela was kind. 
And I want them to remember that for the rest of their lives. We're going to carry on her work. And that is where we are with today's case. I think if everyone keeps an eye out on this case and keeps applying pressure, that's the best route that we have to ensure justice or some sort of closure and hopefully one day peace for the Robinson family. But that is the highly requested case of Shanquella Robinson. What are your thoughts? And yeah, let's just keep the Robinson family in our minds and keep following up because sometimes things get out of the news cycle and the authorities are like, okay, I think we're in the clear. Please stay safe. And I will see you guys on the Rotten Mango channel next Sunday. Bye.